Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I'm here at the home of Cody Nelson, the optics manager for GoHunt.com. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. Thanks for having me. We've got Jared Bernstein here of Vortex Opt- Optics. Jared, how are you doing? Excellent, Jay. Excellent. It's always good to have both of you guys in front of me here. and We've got a bunch of questions from Instagram followers. They've got some Vortex questions for you fellas. So figured we'd dive into that this morning. We're kind of sitting on the verge right now of the Arizona application being due tomorrow. Today's Monday. It's always due on Tuesday. Um, I have not Holding applied out. yet. You haven't Holding applied out. yet. Nope. Jared, are you in? I did last oh. night. <laughs> last night. Nice. So. You, you all in. All what are you in. going with? Archery? What? Archery. Yeah. yeah. Early archery. All early archery. Bulls? Bulls. Nice. We'll see. With, have, with three points, I'm not too, uh, yeah. I wouldn't hey, say I'm too optimistic, but 80% you know what? of the tags get drawn by non-resident, uh, you know, normal point holders, whatever. Just I'll random. Take the, uh, just random draw. Hey, I'm a pretty lucky guy, so I'll take it. Nice. We'll see what happens. Have you had some success on the archery bull hunts? Um, I have not yet. I've only drew. I've only drawn. Excuse me. One archery bull tag. It was the first year I put in. Didn't know anything about anything. Put in for late archery in unit one. Went out there. Had never been on an elk hunt. Just put a bunch of miles on. Never went to full draw. Nothing and had a blast. Well, so that's what. That's what I'm, I'm looking forward learn. to. It. That was what was that five <laughs> or five or six years ago. So I'm looking forward to. The next one, when I have a little bit better understanding. Have you had the chance to get out and hear them bugle, you know, during September and stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've since been on probably 15 archery elk hunts with people just helping and being a, you know, just being a meat caddy, essentially. So You're probably good at that. Well, some days. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? Oh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm doing most, I, I think I'm doing all early archery. I, I, that's my favorite hunt. If I'm not glass hunter hunting for Coos Deer, I'm, I, I would, I want to be hunting bulls with a bow. Our in trio. Yeah. Gould's turkey isn't on your radar yet? No, no, <laughs> not yet, but I, uh, I really want to hunt. I know I get, I get addicted to that archery elk tag. Yeah. I'll take that every day. It's pretty fun. We're sitting here in February. Moisture's looking good across the southwest. We've got the Western Hunt Expo up in Salt Lake City. We're leaving here in a few days. Cody, yep. I know you guys have a booth there. GoHunt.com has a booth. Boys and, are packing up right now. Yeah, going to be headed out there. Um, for the listeners out there, anybody that's going to the show, definitely look me up. If you see me, want to shake some hands and meet you guys out there. Uh, definitely come by, and um, I'm going to be around the Go Hunt booth quite a bit. Um, come introduce yourself to Cody, and um, it's going to be a great time. They, yeah, we we will have a full optics display. I mean, the booth this year will. You guys, well, it, it'll you won't. It, it's not that you won't recognize it. There's just a ton of added gear to the shop this year, and I think you guys, uh, the, the listeners, I think anyway, will really enjoy it. So, right on. You know. Um, this is kind of off the subject, but what'd you guys think of the Super Bowl? Wow, I love. I thought it was one of the best games I'd seen in it's a long. Pretty time. Pretty good game, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not partial to either team. I think that's part of the but, fun of it for me is I didn't yeah. really have a dog in the fight, so it was just a good game. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's I mean it's fun to see fresh new faces, and I have nothing against Tom Brady or any, but I I, I do I think it's fun to see new fresh you know faces I'm not used to seeing and. I don't claim to be, you know, the the NFL expert, but I'll uh, I sure I you know I, I I don't mind watching a game. How about you? Didn't watch a lick of it. I like it. Nope. I had a big old bonfire <laughs> by myself. Had a nice bourbon and didn't watch a single second of it and enjoyed every minute I thereafter. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I was really know. disappointed in the commercials this year. I got to be honest with you. I didn't watch any of yeah. them, but you know it is. You you do bring up a point. The NFL has been a disappointment the last few years with some of the shenanigans going on. It's kind of soured me. I mean, of course, I watch the big game, but you know, and I'll watch the cards a little bit. But it's it's just you know, I like college sports. Yep. Um, and even that's starting to get a little different than it used to be. But it's still a, you know, the joy of athletics. Um, I always enjoy watching the NFL. You know, you, you know, I I think they're. They're trying to regain some of what they've lost, um, and we'll see as an organization if they, they do that. I mean, they're giant. They're huge, but um, they certainly lost a lot of fans with some of the nonsense going on for sure. Yeah, I, I think that that certainly doesn't 
sit well with me, but to be honest, football just isn't really my deal. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a hockey guy, and a, mm-hmm. and if it's not hockey, I just as soon sit outside with a bonfire. You're so. a New York guy, aren't you? <laughs> I was born in New Jersey. Jersey, yeah. yeah. Don't we try not to tell too many people that? So a giant, now we just told a whole lot of people. So are you that. Giants or are you Jets? Neither. You don't care. Not a not a football guy at all. Yeah. No, I grew up. I mean, we we. We were a hockey family. We grew up. I mean, my mom would put us on the subway, and we go to Flyers games at at twelve thirteen. She sent us in the city with twenty bucks in our pocket. We go to games, and then we fight all the way home on the subways. <laughs> and, no, it was uh, by definition. If I had to pick a team, it'd be the Eagles because South Jersey is essentially Little Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's it's just not on my list of things to really give time to. Yeah. Well, guys, we sit here and we've got questions from Instagram followers, and I appreciate you guys sending some questions in. I kind of put it out late, um, but we've got a few here uh, to go through, so let's just dive in. Uh, right off the bat, we've got, uh, is the turret mechanism different between the PST and the HST rifle scopes? Uh, it is. In the current in the current rifle scopes, it is, and the PST Gen 2 turret is an evolution of that um, HST and formerly Gen 1 PST turret. So the, the HST turret that you're referring to there versus the current offering, um, the HST has a zero-stop mechanism that uses shims, and those shims were and still are. It's a, it's a solid system, but it's not quite as accurate as the zero-stop that's in the Gen 2 PST, and it's also the same mechanism that's in the uh, Generation 1 Razor 5 to 20. And that, that zero stop is just an evolution of technology and innovation, and, yeah. and so it's a it's a better offering. It, um, the, the, I always called them that little half moon. They you know, are. Little, little shims, yep. little half moon clips, if you will. They're they're good to within a click or two or, you know. Yeah, they, it, it, it's just you're not building, as accurate. And what you're doing, Jay, is the, the old styles that you're literally laying these shims in there in that pocket. And when you get to your, you know, like your zero, you know, to, at that zero point, it's actually pressing down on those shims and that's your stopping point. I mean, it's not, it's not a horrible method by any means. It works, but you know, a, a true Th- Things have evolved. And, yeah, and it, it, let exactly. me be clear. It, uh, when I say it's not as accurate, I mean, it's not as accurate as a, of a zero stop from a turret standpoint, being click value and accuracy and tracking. It is a very accurate turret. The zero stop mechanism on the newer offering is just a, again, it's just an evolution of look yeah. at a computer 10 years ago and look at a computer now. It's just an evolution of technology. Um, the new PST Gen 2 turret is larger. It's actually twice the size. So your revolutions are now worth more, which is nice because you don't get lost in your turret as easy, right? If you have a, if the turret has a five MOA value full rotation, once you get all the way around, then now you're at six and seven versus on a PSG Gen 2 it's you're you're a longer surface area so now you can see longer um see higher numbers and and not get lost in that turret quite as easy so uh, it's just an evolution of of where things have gone but uh, that's that's really the biggest difference got a question here thoughts on viper hslr rifle scope Uh, truthfully i think it's one of the more under credited western hunting scopes in our line i would agree the 6 to 24 uh, first focal plane XLR reticle scope is it's a really neat scope because it's kind of it's a feature pack scope but it's a very hunting feature pack scope versus a quote unquote tactical feature pack scope and I'm not a huge fan of the word tactical but um, what I love about that scope is it has a reticle that allows you to hold over for wind okay it has a christmas tree type reticle where the bottom field has reference points you can use to hold but you're not getting things uh, like an illuminated reticle that you may not want or need or want to pay for or want to lug around the backcountry. Uh, so it, it's a very uh, weight-sensitive uh, offering while still maintaining a first focal plane option for the guys that need that. It's a high-magnification scope. It's a 30 mil tube. It's got plenty of travel internally. Um, and conveniently, it's it's neat that that scope was brought up because, Cody, I think, believe you guys yep. are about to bring that scope in here in the next few We're, weeks to go hunt. It's, it'll be loaded up here in the next week or so. Yeah, so it's a it's a really neat offering, and honestly, it gets it gets kind of overlooked. Um, it's one that I hunt with quite a bit. So, and you've answered this multiple times, but explain first focal plane. Explain that. Sure. So first and second focal plane, um, and it kind of depends on your shooting style. Which one is better for you? One is not better than the other. It just depends on the application. Um, but you you have the lines inside the reticle. We call those sub tensions. 
And those subtensions, if you look in an owner's manual that comes with a scope, will tell you that the space between the lines is equal to a value. So let's just say that the center point is the center point, and the next line down we'll just call it 2M away, that the gap in between is 2M away. You can use the knowledge there to do things, whether that be to hold over if you're zeroed at 100 and you're taking a shot at 200 or 300, whatever it is. Um, you can also use it to range. But knowing that value is very important. And a first focal plane scope, that value is always accurate to what we tell you it is, no matter what magnification you're on. So if the scope is 6 to 24, that 2 MOA distance or gap maintains throughout the entire power band or magnification range. And in a second focal plane scope, it's only equal to what we tell you it is at either a specified power or max power. Right. So, and it's typically max power. There are some scopes on the market that it could be a 4 to 16, and the scope manufacturer will tell you that the subtensions are subtended at 12 power. So you can only use the lines below the center point at that, at that power. Right. What's nice about a second focal plane scope is the reticle is always the same size. So... I love them, excuse me, when I'm hunting with a child because on the first focal plane scope, the reticle grows and shrinks, right? And so when I have a child behind a gun and you're on a, say, a 6 to 24 first focal plane at 6 power, that reticle can be a little bit small and hard for them to see or find or whatever's going on. Um, and in that environment with kids or with somebody with poor eyesight, it can be stressful, obviously, not to see a reticle. And then obviously there's the ethical problem of not being able to see a reticle. So... Second focal plane can be really good for that. Um, it can be really good for a guy that is like, hey, I'm never going to use subtensions. I have a range finder. I want to look at the same reticle all the time. I'm not using it to hold over. I will reach up and dial, and if I don't have time to dial, I won't take the shot. Great. I mean, cool. Well, I think it's, it's probably second focal plane. You see a lot more guys that are, like, doing custom turrets with yardage. Yeah. As opposed to MOA or MRAD or, you know, those things. So I think it's 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 more conducive to that style. Yeah, and and you know I always tell people too as as education becomes more available. First focal plane definitely is the it's definitely the cool guy thing right now, and it's super useful. If you know how to use it, it's extremely useful. It's very fast. Um, but again, if you don't know how to use it, it can almost hurt you. You know, and so understanding what you're buying, you know, whether that be listening to something like this or calling somebody that knows or getting out and using the stuff before you buy it is obviously a, a big deal. Um, so a lot of the, a, a lot of the uh, NRL, National Rifle League, or the PRS guys, um, a lot of those guys are using first focal planes because they're, they've got a, a number of different targets they're shooting at during the day and they and, and the distances are always varied and so um basically they're using those first focal planes because they're making those constant adjustments so and for them it's you know it just it works yeah and and with those guys the first <clears throat> focal plane for them is almost more about wind than it is the Correct. holdover a lot of times those guys are fast enough they know they're dope they'll reach up and dial for elevation but anybody who shoots a bunch will tell you never dial for wind. And so it's always a hold. And so if right. you're, you know, and like Cody said, if they're engaging a target at 350 and their next target's at 1100, well, you're not going to be on the same magnification shooting 350 that you're shooting on 1100. But the wind, to compensate for that wind and use the subtensions within the reticle to do so, first focal plane's a massive advantage for those guys. Yep. In the amount of, well, let's back up, for hunting purposes, talk about the importance of first plane focal plane and second focal plane as it relates to hunting take it into a practical standpoint you talked about the kids but take it even further yeah i mean I, and i'm i'm not one that uses my reticle to range in a hunting scenario um, i'll use a reticle to range on a silhouette target because i can get you know if i miss by two three inches on a silhouette target it's typically not a big deal Whereas on an animal, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more surgical than that. Um, so I, I prefer that first focal plane for me because I'm going to use a subtensions. I'm not one to dial on a hunting scenario. If I see, and it's happened before, actually it happened with, with a, a second focal plane scope. I was about to shoot a bull at 450 in New Mexico and had a bull step out at 790 that was way bigger 
and somebody behind me saw it and I had seconds to shoot and I ended up holding and luckily I was at full power and my subtensions were right. But I ended up holding 16 minutes, 16.4 minutes and killed that bull. Um, so knowing your gear is important, but first focal plane would have allowed me to do that a little bit faster and not have to go through the step of wait, what power am I on? Where am I sitting? Um, so that's, what's nice about first. But again, second, I really like second from a hunting scenario because we all know when you finally decide that's the animal that you're going to shoot blood pressure's up, the sun's typically wrong. Everything's typically wrong. Right. And so that reticle being a little bit larger and a little bit more prominent and exactly what you're used to seeing takes one more thing, one more stressor off that list. So I, I think it just depends on your type of shooting, how much you know about either system. And if you're not going to get to know first focal plane, second plane is a much more effective, safer, safer option, in my opinion. I agree. Yep. And I, again, it, it's just a, do you need a diesel motor? Do you need, you know, what, what are you doing with it? And how much are you going to invest in learning it to make sure that you're using it to its potential? From a sales standpoint, how many first focal plane and second focal plane? I mean, what, where's the, the ratio? I think we sell, I don't want, it's not 50-50, it's probably like 65 or 70-30 to uh, 30% being the first focal planes. So, and again, to go on the tactical word, we're not quote-unquote a tactical shop even though those scopes can be used in a tactical form. But, you know, we gear ourselves more towards the hunting crowd. But, you know, those scopes, there's such a fine line between what is and what isn't. I mean, you're still trying to hit the same target. So um, I would just tell you that there's a lot of people building rifles that, typically speaking, the, the, the first focal plane scopes tend to be in a in a larger package yeah so i mean they're they're a bigger scope they're you know bigger tactical turrets they're there there's there's more going on in that scope so um a lot of the guys calling and you know ordering off the website they're ordering scopes that are typically a little bit lighter weight and not as big not all but i mean you know we we have a few um and there are there's some scopes there that's why there's the scope market is is huge when it comes to that because there's there's so much that you can uh, you know depending on what that guy is shooting in his system that he's employing there's typically a scope that will do exactly that and another consideration so, with first and second is first focal plane typically is a finer reticle so you see true. the guys shooting longer distance lean toward first focal plane right. not only because of the subtension deal but because they can Brack that reticle down a little bit, make it a little bit finer. You know, if Aim again, small, miss small. Exactly. Right. You use the six to twenty-four example. A six to twenty-four second focal plane scope is going to have a very thick reticle, and out at a, at a few hundred yards, you're going to get to the point where that reticle is actually covering up what you're shooting at. So, it's all it all depends on the environment. Whereas on like a six to twenty-four first focal plane, like the HSLR we're talking about, you could crank it to twenty-four count points on the deer, count hairs, whatever you want to do, and then back off for the shot so that you have this giant situationally aware, thin reticle, and again, aim small, miss small. So it's a, it's hard, you know, and, and kind of, Cody kind of said it, you know, these guys that are very technical that are buying carbon fiber guns and all this stuff are typically leaning for focal planes. It's a more te wow. technical system. It's more useful for them for what they're doing with that platform. But if you ask a tactical shop, he's saying 70-30. A tactical shop will tell you they sell probably 85-15 exactly. first focal plane versus right. second. So it it's all just depends totally, on their clientele. Totally different on the application. Yeah. I think it just brings the point back that you got to – I mean, you you know, I ask people all the time, like, how, what are you going to shoot? How, mm -hmm. how are you going to do this? And And some people know immediately and some people – don't have a clue where they're going to start. So you start walking them through the differences and all that. And they, and, and, and they, some people are like, Oh, that's, I, I, that's way too much to think about. I don't want to think like that. I want to like, I want a range dial shoot right. and you know, 
<clears throat> you can do that in both, but yeah, it's just. We'll talk about the problem of what you said about if if your scope isn't on max power. Well, how that can create a problem. Well, because you can like so if you go out and you shoot your gun and you create what we call a dope card, right? A dope card is data on previous engagement. If you go out and you shoot your gun, let's say you zero to 100 yards, and then you shoot and you confirm, and I, I like to confirm every 25 yards, but a lot of guys confirm every 100. Do what you're going to do. But let's say you build a dope <clears throat> card at 100, 150, 200, 250, all the way to 1,000. If you know that at 500 yards you need to dial, let's just say, five minutes for easy math, okay? That's the Marine in me. we got to work with big numbers, normal, <laughs> simple numbers. If you were in a second focal plane scope, we'll use the 6 to 24 again, and let's say in the reticle, the lines are, are labeled, so typically they're in, in quantities of two, so it'll say right. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, right? So if you're trying to float in between that 4 and that 6, you're finding that middle ground to hold five minutes at 500 yards. That's not too hard. We've all, you know, we've all done that. The problem is if you're at 20 power in that 6 to 24, you're not at five minutes. Those lines are not correct yet. Yeah, the you value need to max it out to get yeah. there. The value's not the, correct. The values change when you, when you dial up or dial down. That's when you're the, not on max. When you're not on max. Now, well, one, one misconception is, though, yeah. center is always center, okay, in first or second. Doesn't matter. Right. When you dial, you're moving center. You're not moving anything else. And that's something that people assume like, oh, it's second focal planes. I always have to dial. No, center is center. But the line below it is not what we're telling you it is unless you're yeah, at, I at the right I think that's tar. the thing that, that we need to be really clear about is is that like I take the BDC radicals, the, 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 the bullet drop compensator radicals. If you're using the bottom, even if it's, You've done just a simple BDC reticle, mm -hmm. and you've done it um, to where you know, okay, you're at 200, at zero, and then you're, you're you know, at uh, 250 on the next line and 300 at the next line. If, if you go to change the, the, the power on that, it's going to change the values of those, of those uh, lines, the bullet drop compensator. So some guys literally get to a point where it's, they just, they don't want to think like that. They don't want to remember numbers. They don't want to look over to dope chart. It's just, some guys like to, you know, kind of make it more simple for them. And there's, so, there's geography involved there too. If you look yep. at the, like for, from like my side, I look at sales numbers and look at how many BDC reticles sell in say Pennsylvania yep. versus how many sell in Arizona or Utah. It's, I mean, they could be Night two different day. companies. Like right. it doesn't even, you put all of us reps in a, in a room and we talk about, Oh, well, what's selling well for you? Like, and I'd be like, I sell yeah, three of those a year and I have a friend that sells 6,000 of them a year because it applies to that. So we see a lot more first focal plane stuff out here. We see a lot more non BDC stuff out here. Um, out west yep. and i'm not saying that the eastern hunters less educated it's that they're not shooting as far right. those opportunities Different are style. not presented to them yeah and yeah, so they, they like, don't need they that like gear. 56 millimeter reticles and it's just and illuminated and yeah there's it's a whole different beast it's just a different game yeah it's not a negative toward either side of the country got a question here 15 by 56 compared to others worth getting while saving for swaros i have 1250 razors now Wait, what was the first part of the sentence? 15 by 56 compared to others, question mark. Worth getting while saving for Swaros. I have 12 by 50 razor now. Well, I would tell, I, why, why, why wouldn't you just keep using the 1250s? Yeah, the, the 15s I, I, I that mean, we make, yeah, the, I mean, the razor glass is a lot better than the vulture glass. Um, so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't I don't know step that I would to vultures any, from yeah. razors personally. Yeah, I don't know. I, but yeah, I would we, buy 18 UHDs over Suarez. That's just me. <laughs> I hope that answered the guy's question. Yeah, I, I don't. We, we I, don't I, make a Razor 1556, so there, yeah. it's kind of hard. The Razor 12, by definition, has been our top-selling Western hunting product. It is just a – it's a rock star of a unit. And so to step down in glass quality to get three more power – I, I, I don't see it personally. I, I don't think there'd be a benefit. You know, I, I think that brings up a good thing. And, and Jay, I don't know if anybody's asked the question about UHD and, and, and uh, you know, the, the difference between the 12s and 15s and, or 12s and, and 18s. But, you know, a lot of people, I think predominantly 
the people buying the 12 by 50s for me, I would tell you are, uh, I would tell you that they're elk and mule deer and kind of do everything guys. And the guys that, you know, certainly the 15s have a place in that world, but um, guys that are trying to do everything and, you know, maybe even still use that 12 on their chest a little bit that, you know, they're, they're, they're using the 1250s and the, the, that's the guy buying the UHDs right now, the 1250 UHDs. So I think it's kind of interesting, you know, um, if you're going, I just, I keep telling people if, if you're going on a coos deer hunt or you're out in big country and big canyons and distance is a factor, you know, the 18s, I think do better. It, it, I think it makes for a more pleasurable, you know, glassing experience. I'm not saying you won't find anything with 12s, but I, I think that, that those long-range distances, you know, really, uh, the, the 18s and certainly the 15s, you know, when you get into that, just make for a better long-range glassing system. Well, your knees will appreciate the 18s. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Any time you can just sit there a little longer and look a little further, exactly. it's a good thing. Here's a question. Does Vortex ever deny warranty claims? I'm not aware of one. The only thing the only thing we say or ever say is that, that the only thing we don't warranty is intentional abuse, I think is the way it's written. Um but I've never heard of I've never heard of one. And I've heard of situations that are outside of just insanity. Like the the California wildfire that burnt I mean I, I don't remember the number. I knew it at some point and it just doesn't come to me right now. How many scopes we warrantied out of just that one incident? And I don't mean to downplay the incident. A lot of people were massively affected. But, I mean, there's just, there's so many above and beyond stories like that where Vortex is like, yep, we got you. And it's yeah, just like, I mean, man. I don't, I, of all the years, I mean, I think they've pretty much taken care of everything. Now, I've seen them not replace something new and repair something. Oh, 100%. But, but you know, but just to say that you're getting a new, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen them deny or. I'll tell you what, we've had quite a few people that have asked not to have something replaced because they have sentimental value to the unit. Yeah. Um, the one that comes to mind just was a, uh, I think it was the guy who was in the Army, in the Army or the Marine Corps. He got blown up, pair of Viper HD 1042s, and he's like, look. I don't care what you have to do. Like, I want those. I want that charred body. I want, you know, and so there's, there's just some people that are yeah, attached. I've, to I've had a couple of, uh, um, uh, damaged, you know, the armoring that was damaged and they, they, they obviously repaired the glass, but they, you know, the, the armoring was left and it was still in great condition and worked. And, you know, the person was as happy as can be. He, they just wanted it fixed. Yeah. So that, that brings a question I have that does, do the armed forces, do they contract with Vortex and are our guys supplied with Vortex or is that sometimes a situation where someone owns them personally and that that's part of their gear? Both. I think you hear both. There's both. Yeah. I mean, we have a couple scopes that have, have, uh, have really done well on a durability standpoint on certain platforms that are known for blowing scopes up. Um, our Razer HD Gen 2 series specifically in, in 1 to 6 and 3 to 18, 4 and a half, 27 isn't, I mean, it's known for being a tank of a product. The bigger scopes are known for being heavier than some of its competition, but with that comes the benefit of, I mean, they are built. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. There's, they're so strong. Tell you that there's, it doesn't happen all the time, but we have a large amount of people that call and that are there. They either maybe they didn't even know what vortex was but they were they someone in the military showed them what it was and what the, the and they come home and they're out of the military and that's all they use because it's what they it's what they fought with i mean it, that's I, cool I, it, that's it, cool it, no it, no, it, it happens actually all the time i there i'm was not a aware. bullet manufacturer one time that i heard a story about where snipers were literally sending them pictures saying thank you this is what your bullets <laughs> doing and, you know, some people might think that's gruesome or whatever. I thought it was as if I was that manufacturer to know that I'm making a difference and here's the results. Sure. I, I mean, I'll happily show you pictures. I actually have a picture <laughs> in my phone of a buddy that's in one of those units that people don't talk about. And he sent me a picture and their Humvee had gotten blown up. And it's a picture of his rifle on the blown up Humvee with our Razor Gen 2. And he, and the words on the, and I'll show it to you clean as day. We just can't put it on Instagram, but 
Um, and the words under the thing, under the, the photo are, you should see the work I did with this thing after these blanks blew us up that day. Yeah. And it's like, yep. Like that's just, if that doesn't make you feel like yeah. a million bucks, you don't have a soul. Well, like, there's something, great. you know, I, you know, there's something when something's been, it's one thing to battle say, ground but tested. no, well, no, but I was going to say battle to, I mean, it's one thing to say your product has been taken into the field and you went on a nice spot. You know, like, I'm sorry. When someone says, yeah, this thing's been in a Humvee bombing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It's a little different. You know, um, there was another manufacturer not too long ago where maybe I saw a bullet strike to a scope and it still worked. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry when you get those kind of free, those, testimonials there's nothing more powerful yeah that's awesome stuff so and there's i mean there's individual you know we get a lot of police officer stuff too individual officers that buy and and there's a lot of departments that issue our our gear too but um, i could think of one guy that that's on phoenix that sent me a video and he was on arizona family pinning the dude down on the 10 with his rifle with a razor one to six and he's like hey dude like this thing rocks and (laughs) man like what what else could you want in your day you know (laughs) How long to wait before upgrading to the next gen of glass to see noticeable differences? To see noticeable differences. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Meaning to see. Okay. You know. Um, how long to wait before upgrading to the next generation of glass to see noticeable differences? He doesn't give what he's using. He's just saying, you know, there's generation. I'm speculating. He's mm-hmm. saying there's generations of glass. You know, how how big of jumps, I think that has to do with, well, how particular are you? How important is yeah, cost mean, ratio to, you know, talk about that a little bit. I, you know, I, I mean, I, we get that question literally every day, sometimes 10 times a day. And I think that that has to come down to, you know, how particular are you about? Like, I, I'll admit it. I mean, obviously, how much are you I, using it? And, 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 oh, I, I'm, guys, I, I mean, you know this. I'm an optics snob. To, I mean, I want the best glass that I can get for whatever I'm doing at the time. I'd say I, optics nerd is a better. Well, okay. I, I, I'm with you. But, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm always looking for any advantage I can get. And mm-hmm. if that's if that means to me that I'm, I'm, I need to save money and, and do this or get that or – and I'm always not the best person to ask because I generally have what I want when I want and I get to test everything and that's probably not always the best question. But I would always ask somebody like, are you, you know, is this something you're using like every day? If you're using every day, I think that I, when it, it's, to me it's an investment on your eyes and I've said this before – but if you could calculate on a daily basis when you use, you know, f- from one piece of glass to the next, if you could say, okay, at the end of the day, that gave me, you know, 25 minutes more of glass time, I'm going to use the better, you know, I, or, or, or the, the better glass. I, I, I just think Well, I think he's also asking about, like, generations. Like, obviously, Vortex has had generations, and sure. they make improvements. Well, the, the new UHDs, I mean, I, I think that that's a, I think that's a great the, – the, the addition of the Abiconic Prism, I'm sorry. I, that, I thought that made a huge difference in, in the way those glasses look to me. There, there's some anatomy involved too, though, right? I mean, I've done retail events where you know a guy will be looking at two rifle scopes or two binoculars and I say, "Let's go outside." First of all, the, yep. the lighting in a retailer is not good for anybody's product. Let's yeah. go outside. You look at it. Tell me what you think. And I've had times where the guy looks at the lower end of the two products and says, "I actually think these are more clear." And I've had the, the opposite where the guy looks at the higher end product and goes, "All right, I got to convince my wife how I can pull this off." And so there is some anatomy involved in that decision it's not just well cody said the uhds are the best so they're going to be the best for me i mean yes i i would think that but is that true i don't know your eyes are different than mine it's not it's not like and i I like using vehicle references it's not like saying like okay does the truck tow ten thousand pounds yes how much does your trailer weigh seventy five hundred you're good it's not necessarily that easy there's there's particulars involved yeah i in you know that getting behind the glass is ev- the most I think it's the most imp- of anything that you listen to what we say I think it's the most important for you I wouldn't to, listen to, to too much of it to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well no but the, what my my point is ratings is that, plummet yeah <laughs> get get behind the glass and decide for yourself because if in in try to the best of your ability um 
to to not look in uh you know uh, uh incandescent light or get get out of the light of the building and walk outside try to look at them in the morning or at night if you can possibly do it and i promise you that you'll see differences in those pieces of glass mm-hmm. and you know that's the only thing i can tell you is to get your eyes behind it because i think that really truly matters um, are you an eyeglass wearer? Do you need to have the eye cups down? Like, understand what you have to, 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 um, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the focusing systems on those, on those glasses. I, I, I can't tell you how many times that, like, especially when we're hands on and you get to see people, like, it, it, you know, they put the glasses to their face and, and they're wearing their eyeglasses and the eye cups are all the way out. And then you, you put the, it's just as simple, put the eye cups down. It's like somebody opened up the blinds for them mm-hmm. and they're like, holy <laughs> cow. And you're like, oh, you know, you really got to understand, you know, the different focus that the diopter and the, because I've had people that literally own a 2000 pair dollar pair of glasses and don't know what a diopter is. And then, and then they, they fine tune the diopter and then with the focus and they're like, oh, wow, these really, these really are bright. And you're like, and you're thinking, how long have you been doing this? Right. So, you know, and, and I, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to ask people to call me when they get their binos and I try to walk them through that, that, that process of like, okay, you know, use your diopter. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to set it. Now you're going to open both, open both eyes up, do this. And it's amazing to me the reactions you get. So, I've got um, to tell a little story on myself. Either one of you wear eyeglasses? I do. Not yet. <laughs> have you worn them for a long time? No, I'm supposed to. But how old are you? Thirty-one. I mean, have you worn them since you were a little kid, or were supposed to? No, I was. I was. I should have probably had them at fifteen. I didn't go until I was probably twenty-five. Are you nearsighted or farsighted? I couldn't tell you. I can't stand the doctor. I don't like dentists. I don't like any of them. When guys. you read, do you have to? Or is it when you're looking out far away? Further, I think, is the issue. So I'll turn 47 in a few days, and probably for the last five years, at low light, at night, reading street signs. I mean, I'll be literally driving, and my wife will be like, you just drove right by it. Well, for one, honey, I'm waiting for you to tell me when to turn, just because I'm... <laughs> that's a whole nother that's, deal. That's my deal, but <laughs> you're the other You're the navigator is, chair. You're the yeah, navigator. I can't read it. And so finally, she's like... and. At church, like up on on the screen, there'll be songs and stuff, and you'll have to read the music. And I mean, for the last five years, I just stand up and kind of hum. What yeah. you doing, oh, Jay? I'm humming. I'm humming. Because, I'm humming. And uh, she's like, "You can't see, can you?" So she took me in. We we go into Costco, and she has my eyes tested, and she's in the room with me. And you know, you sit there and you put your chin on the deal, and you you know, you kind of pop your head into the steel. And the, the lady, sweet little lady, she's probably in her 20s but she's she actually was good i thought she's she says uh, all right tell me which line you can read my wife's in the room with me because you know it seems like every anytime i ever go to a doctor or anything she's got to be in the room whether it's checking whatever babysitting yeah <laughs> just so that i'll be paying it you know being we, a all, good we all screw that up so they have to babysit so us. she says tell me which line you can read it's just Cricket. dead quiet. <laughs> yeah. She goes, you can't read the bottom line? I said, I can't read any of them. I, you know, I can just hear my wife over there snickering. So she goes to the next screen. All right, tell <coughs> me which line you can read here. And I said, well, I can read that. It was either the top or the bottom. I said, I can read it. Good, but I can't read the other. She says, oh, you know, one of those. <laughs> Switches to the next screen. She's like, okay. I said, I can read all the lines on this one. She goes, okay, let's back up now. And so she... Then she starts putting where one little it comes in from the side, like a different lens and comes in and starts, you know, finally I said, well, what's the deal? She goes, you can't see. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so I'm farsighted or excuse me, nearsighted, which right. is a challenge seeing stuff far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a stigmatism for low light. I'm like, great, this is a good thing for a hunting guy. Perfect. <laughs> but I can honestly tell you in the last couple of years, I've had clients be like, Jay, it's right there. It's right there. It's like 250 yards. And I'm like, uh, by the big cedar tree? Where are you looking? <laughs> like, 
No, with your naked eye. Just look over there. And I'm going, by the big pine tree? They're like, you can't see that? I'm like, hmm. Yeah. But you can read up close. Yeah, but I can read. I'm, so, the, I'm the same way. So anyway, I went. I got fitted for glasses. And the, a couple days ago, we went and got my glasses, which probably will never wear. But lasers. I can see like the bionic man. You got I, it done? No, I didn't do LASIK, but I can see like lasers. Like it's like yeah. bionic Oh, with vision. the glasses on. So I put a, you know, I wear sunglasses all the time when I'm outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the glasses in my sunglasses yet, but that's what I'll get because I'll use them the most. Sure. Um, but just driving, my eyes are real sensitive to sun. So just driving home, my wife had me put them on and it was like, I could read street signs that I haven't read in 15 years. And it was un- you're probably staying in the lane too. Oh, Look it was you. unbelievable. And even like uh, watching TV on the guide, my wife will be like, "Why do you keep getting up?" Like I'll go through the guide, and she'll be like, "Switch it on channel." I can't see it. <laughs> so I get up and get closer, like four feet from the screen. She's like, "Are you that bad?" And now finally, I can see the guide with my glasses. Yeah, um, I, I'm. I'm at that stage where I, like. I mean, I literally have to. You're doing like, the hold it away. Well, you? when you start reading that water bottle right there, I mean, I, I'm, I need the best light, and I need to have it, you know, right there. See, you know what's funny is I can't use my binoculars or glasses on, and I and I know people that do, and they find plenty of game. It's just again, we talked about anatomy. It's an anatomy interface. Me, glasses and binoculars, it's a no go. And so I went to try to get contacts, and here's big, big, bad, Tough. tattooed yeah. marine going in to get contacts. This lady you said spent, that before. I think you were like, oh, couldn't I, do couldn't, it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I spent like 45 minutes with this lady. I left there like in tears, not emotionally, but yeah. I poked myself in the eye so many darn times. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get, I got to go get LASIK or something because I can't, I'm the same way though. And I, we, we've talked about my buddy Hunter. We go out and that deer I just shot in 19A, he's like, <clears throat> do, you, do you see the buck? Like it's standing there looking at us. We're on a mesa. There's no trees. The only right. thing on the mesa is this You're buck like, no, and some I grass. Don't. I'm like, dude, I don't see it. He's like, it's at 280 yards. I'm like, dude, I... I right. get behind the gun. Of course, I can see it now, <laughs> right. and I kill it. But um, I'm, it's funny. I'm the same way. Well, my rendition of that story is this. And, Jay, you don't have kids. And that you, I know of. You, you, have, <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have a little one at home. Six-month-old. But, but not, not of reading age yet. I had no idea how much I was having my kids. Like, hey, what's that? Say? You know, what, like... What's that? What's that over there? Yeah. And I mean, I, I all of them. They're like, Dad, you need glasses. I, I, th- I, th- I need. I think what I need is I just need a good set of readers. I, I, I can see street signs and that stuff without any problem. Yeah. I can see, you know, I can see deer moving or whatever. I, but it's, you know the it's meme that me it's got the, I don't know the. Chinese guy or whatever it's that guy and he's doing the look where he's squinting really hard you know that uh, that's what I pull up when I'm looking for a street sign I'm like squinting and my wife's like you're underneath the sign I'm like I can't see it anyway uh anybody that's going to come hunt with me I'm blind just know that but once I actually put my eyes in the binos I'm fine um yeah that's funny isn't it that's well, funny. I think it's funny you hit on the navigation thing because that's me and my wife's biggest fight. Like you're in the passenger seat. So my that's biggest great. thing is I just drive. Okay, so most of the time my wife drives. And the reason that I let my wife drive is because she has a very particular way about how she drives to everything. She says that I'm like a grandpa and just get over in the right lane and I'm just kind of going. And these guys will say, oh, he drives fast and all that. That's probably off-road. When I'm just around town, I'm like just driving. I'm like not blowing Mach 6. I'm just, but she's just point. Why'd you turn left? You need to go right. You need to, this is the way to go. I'm like, so the the fun story is like when we were driving and she's like, why didn't you turn in? I said, honey, you didn't tell me to turn. You've told me every, between here and the house, every place to turn. I was just waiting for you to tell me. And she just laughs. Um, you you really have to meet Jean. She's she's a special gal, and she's she's particular. She's particular, and she has her own way of doing things. And, hey, we all do though. I yeah. mean, you yeah. can't fault her for that. She's yeah. an awesome person. She's yeah. particular. Uh, uh, patient. 
She is patient. patient. The stuff that I put her through. Oh my goodness. Let's um, just use the word patient. We'll get to the rest of these questions, guys. I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast really fast. Obviously, obviously, sitting here with Cody, uh, the optics manager of GoHunt.com. I want to thank GoHunt uh, for their sponsorship of this podcast. And I want to pat Cody on the back a little bit. It's rare that I go a day. Sometimes I'll go a full day without getting a message from a podcast listener or Instagram follower that doesn't. There may be a day goes by, but very rarely. Um, and a lot of days I'll get multiple where people say they've interacted with Cody. And the amount of service that he provided them was, I get it every day where they have not seen the level, the quality of personal attention, questions, service, and truly someone that cares about what they're after. It doesn't matter what it is. I've had everything from tripods to rifle scopes to, hey, my binos are down. Come over. Cody's going to give, you know, gives him his own personal binos to go out on a hunt. Um, Cody, I want to thank you for that. Um, hats off to you for the success that you've had over there in the last couple of years with the optics department. Thank you. Um, I want to thank Go Hunt for sponsoring this podcast. I want to remind you guys, if you have any optical needs at all, um, anything to do with glassing, any questions, tripods, binoculars, rifle scopes, rangefinders, whatever it is, you name it, call Cody, 702-847-8747. That's extension two. You can also send him a text directly on his cell phone, 602-399-3699. And I don't just say that. I was in your wedding. We've been friends for yep. a long time. But it's fun for me as a friend to get people literally sending me, taking their time to send me a message how good you are with well, dealing you. with people. So hats off to you. I very much appreciate the opportunity. And thanks to Go Hunt for the sponsorship. I also want to remind you guys the Go Hunt Insider we're in the middle of application season right now. Uh, if you're not already a Go Hunt Insider member, you can go to gohunt.com forward slash J Scott. Just by signing up, you're going to get a $50 Go Hunt uh, gift card that you can use in the optics department. You can use on the website. You can buy any of the gear that they have at Go Hunt. Yep. Uh, thanks to the Insider, it's an awesome resource. Uh, we had a bunch of people sign up last month. I know we'll have a bunch of people sign up this month. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, uh, Kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com. Kuyu is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. I want to thank Phonescope.com. Uh, if you use the JScott20 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope. And then last but not least, Onyx Maps. Uh, go to onyxmaps.com, use the JScott20 promo code, and you're going to get a 20% discount. Now, guys, here in a few days at the Western Hunt Expo, all four of those companies, Go Hunt, Kuyu, Onyx, and Phonescope, will be at the Western Hunt Expo. I'm going to be wandering around the show on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I will be at all four of those booths at some time or another. Look us up. Uh, look me up. I want to see you guys, and um, I want to thank the sponsors for supporting this show. You guys don't know it, but we're right on. I started this podcast in 2015. Yep. Uh, this is the fifth year. Uh, we're right here at the anniversary, um, close, close to 34 million downloads, and it's been um, you know, a huge blessing to me to have the response that I've had and the loyalty from the listeners uh, and it's, you know, good, good episodes, like having you guys on sharing this kind of info. Uh, it's super important to me. Congratulations, and super... Jay. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, it's been a crazy ride and I've enjoyed it and been able to impact a lot of people and, and I don't take that lightly. So it's, it's, uh, you know, a good way to get information out there to people and, and it's still fun for me yep. and, um, I look forward to doing it more. So, uh, Let's go to the next question here. What holster do you use when carrying the bino attachment? Holster? As far as a chest chest rig, is that? Well, it's talking about the bino attachment, so it's probably, and it's a good question to ask, I think. Well, do you carry your binos with the attachment on there? Uh, do you leave the attachment on well, the here's tripod? Do you have it in a holster? I will tell people, I think it is not wise to carry your binos 
with an attachment, you know, stuck to the to the center hinge, uh, you know that 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 hinge, uh, you know, stud or whatever it is. And the reason being is is that I've had too many people over the years, not necessarily, you know, when it's on your chest, but if if the bino pouch or something is in a bag or in your pack or in the car, this is the most common one is the binos take an impact to where that, you know, like the longest point of where that's poking through. Right. And it actually literally could damage the stud and the threads. So, um, I try to tell people if they're going to leave it on, if they just can't stand it and they have to leave it on, Make sure that it's not tight, meaning that like when you when you glass with it, you would you know reach up top and tighten it down so it, it doesn't let your binos wobble, right? If you loosen that up to where they're wobble a little bit, it's got a if little they, it's got a little you know it's got about a I don't know if it's three quarters of an inch, half inch either way, but it's got a little bit of sway to it where it's got a little give to it. So if you've got a taller bino adapter or bino mount or whatever you want to call it. Um, some of them will be big enough and long enough that it won't fit in the pouch. So I would just tell people, you know, I mean, I, for the most part, I think I almost always leave any bino attachment on the tripod. That's just the way that I handle it, way that I carry it. It's always on the tripod. <laughs> so um, if you're going to carry it with it, I would just kind of make sure that it's like a, of, of the shorter version. That's that's how I do it. <clears throat> so I hope that answered the question. But uh, there are like you take the the new pouch from. As a matter of fact, I think all the pouches from Vortex have a side pocket that you could put for, your bino adapter in. Yep. Yeah, they um, do, and it's kind of most bino. Most of the harnesses out there have some sort of front or side pocket that you can put something in. That's where I would carry it if it's not on the. On, but I personally, I never leave the bino attached to so the, to the binocular. When I'm glassing with my 15s, I always put them back in the case and then in my pack. Always, never, I never, unless I'm just ridge hopping and I'm carrying them mounted on my tripod over my shoulder i always put them back in the container um the pouch my tens around the neck i always leave the adapter on there and it just slides in and out of my pouch i'm one of those that i hate to separate the attachment from the bino because i'm one of those guys that'll lose it so that's just my personal preference. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you do, Jared. Well, I use one of those one of the stud post kind of adapters to quick release type deal. So I leave the the post on the tripod. Um, actually, I have it loctited to the plate, to the quick release plate, so I don't lose it. It doesn't vibrate on a four wheeler or on a, mm -hmm. whatever we're doing. Um, I don't remove it as well, and I'm the same way. And, and I'm also the guy that does I don't like to be in and out of my pack a bunch of times. So my 18s live in my pack. They come out, they go on the tripod, they go back in. But I don't want to be in a top zipper looking for an adapter and in the big zipper looking for 18s. Right. And then it just, I don't, I don't know, I think we move in glass a little bit too much to be packing and unpacking and repacking every time we sit down. Got a question um, here. Why do Vortex scopes struggle with tracking and holding zero, especially the Viper line? It's that not, seems it's like not a consistent issue. Yeah, right. yeah uh, I if, think that's if you're having that, isolated. whoever whoever wrote that, I would definitely encourage you to give the one eight hundred number a call. Talk to the good folks in customer care. Let's get that scope back and look at it. It's not a problem that we typically have, and actually, it's the opposite. I've had Viper scopes, um, specifically that HSLR that we were just talking about. Um, I've had that on the range with some high dollar, $2,500, $3,000 scopes. And we've done the tracking drills where you have boxes that set increments on a piece of paper at a hundred yards and, and done those drills and actually had the opposite effect where it's actually doing better than some of the premium scopes. So I would encourage that person to just get that thing. You know, let's get you, that looked isn't at. that a good point though, that if someone is having an issue with these, some of these great companies, with Vortex being one of them, and you've got an, you know, something like this that would make you put in this question. There's obviously something wrong. Well, right. So reach out because 
that's just not. I mean, I've heard the opposite of this question. Right. The, the, and well, well, I mean, they, they will they will fix that thing so fast it'll be it's a non that's a non-starter. It's just and, and the done. first thing that I do or would ask somebody if they called in and said that. What I want to know is, and this isn't any reflection on the person no, answering the question, all. but I sure. want to make clear of that. Because you get enough of these a day. I get enough of these. Like, I want to make sure, like, I've had guys call and ask that question, but yet w- when they're shooting the ammo, there's three different kinds of ammo in the box. Or no bipod or no or, I mean, sand sock. You, you, or, yeah, so for sure. you want to make sure that everything is consistent and then, you know, like, is, okay, so this is the ammo that you use. You know, you're using the same ammo. You're, I mean, I, I mean, I've had guys have different things happen because it's hot one day and cold the next, or they're right. shooting the barrel hot. I mean, I, it, there's just a well, whole bunch of things. Too many variables that, that are You got to be really careful with that. So, Or who mounted the scope. <clears throat> well, uh, there, I mean, yeah. There's a massive, there's, massive percentage of scopes that are returned for will not hold zero, will not track, will not, X, Y, and Z that are all traced back to yeah. how it was mounted. And that's, well, that's not a, you know, it, it's scope mounting is actually kind of a science and it really needs to be done the right way and you need to torque the right way. And the torque is actually a little bit less than you would think if you were putting it with your hand, if you're doing the old German Gutentite method. <laughs> it's not, you don't need to be that tight on your rings. It's well, not a, and you and, can and really I cause f- issues by going too tight. But Most people don't, re- I mean, I, the explanation that I try to give is, look, there is a relationship from the gun to the mounts and the mounts to the scope and how that all ties in together is a, is a fairly, as tough as it is, it's a fairly delicate thing that if it's not done right from the very beginning, you could have problems for the life of a scope or life of a gun. And guys go round and round. Oh, the gun's got a problem. The ammo's got a problem. And they switch all this stuff up, and they spend so much time and effort and money, and it's <clears> like, <throat> and then you realize that they didn't put Loctite on the screws that are on the base. And it's not the gun or the ammo or the scope or the rings, and it's one little silly step, and we all, you know, nobody reads the owner's manual, and you take the Loctite, and you throw it away, and then that's your problem. Well, I mean, I got a guy who I send people to and help do this, and I can't even begin to tell you the list of problems that he, he sees when he gets to the range. It's and then when he shoots it and he does it his way, it's amazing to me how many of the problems seem to disappear. So be very diligent. Own a pair methodical. of Razor. Own a pair of Razor R UHDs. Significant enough improvement worth upgrade. Oh, R-U-H-D. Oh, okay. Own a pair of razors. R-U-H-D's significant enough improvement worth the upgrade. I, I would say I, yes I, all I day. think so. Yeah, all day. Th- that prism, yeah. the, the prism change going from the standard Razor HD to the UHD being the utilization of that Abbey Koenig prism is a monster upgrade. And it yeah. is, to me, instantly noticeable when you sit behind them. Yep. Well, I, and I, it's I, caused a huge buzz in the industry, too. They're... <laughs> very back ordered. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's a. We've sold a. We've sold a bunch. It's a great glass. That's got to be your glass. number one complaint to me right now, right? The UHDs that I can't get you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it hasn't been. I mean, we ordered right, but I mean, it's been okay. No, we're getting. We're getting, we're getting better, there. Yeah, we're getting it's, it dialed the response. In. I mean, that's that's a great place to be in, right? Mm-hmm. As a company, when you put out a forecast and then the the industry you responds in a way that's blown away. I mean, how do you how do you complain? You just work harder and get it fixed. Yeah, I mean, there's. Would the average user be able to tell the difference between Razor and Razor UHD binos? Yes, I I believe so. In certain environments, you know, we can create an environment that makes the UHD shine, right? I mean, the the Razor HD is phenomenal in low light. The UHD is that much better in low light. So to highlight the difference between UHD and HD, the best thing I could do is put you on a hill 20 minutes before sunrise. Right. And they both perform very well, but the UHD is a optically superior product. Yeah. No, so yes, it can be for sure. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a pretty easy upgrade mm-hmm. to to qualify or quantify. Got a question that's come in since we sat down. Uh, does Vortex have AFD anti-flash device, aka kill flash for the Viper PST? 
We send each viper with a sunshade, but not a. He's referring, I believe, like a, or he or she, but they're referring like the to the honeycomb. Home honeycombs. Yeah. No, not not for not for a viper Who? scope. No, I don't know anybody. So none, there's only one manufacturer that I know of that even sent those with that, and yeah. I don't I don't even know if they do anymore. No, we make we make a honeycomb for for a red dot, and truthfully, it's just not a not something that gets utilized all that often. We do the sunshade deal. They all they all come with a sunshade, the vipers, but um, that's a user preference user preference thing. What optics would you take scouting for turkey? Um, I I'd probably just go with a simple eight by forty. I, I mean, I love an eight or a ten by forty two. On I mean, your chest, yeah. I mean, if you're get, if you're getting, it's kind of like anything else, right? If you're getting up high and looking real far, then. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at field turkeys and you're you're trying to spot way out in fields, obviously there's a time for, you know, spotting scope on a tripod. There's I see a yeah, lot I, of guys in the Midwest. A lot of my buddies are doing window mounted um, spotting scopes. Okay. You know, looking mile and a half out at birds that have flown out into into a big field. But I think in general, we've all agree that an eight or a ten around your neck is is on yeah, your I mean, chest I, is best. I, I, you know, I, I think just for general scouting and if you're riding around in a, you know, UTV or whatever you're doing, or fly, I almost always have a set of eights or tens on my neck or on, you know, on my chest. Is there, the question is, are there any Vortex spotting scopes that would make the best option for a dual spotter? The only spotter, only dual vortex I've ever seen combined on a on a was, was a sixty five razor, yeah. and there was a gentleman that owned a machine shop. He built his own his own mount for it, and it was I mean it was pretty slick and it worked well. But uh, it's not something that we typically see done. Yeah, and I don't. And we talked about too, I think, on the last one where Suaro makes a product that actually is kind of really conducive to that, with the way that that little step works on their straights. Yeah. It allows you to get your eyes closer together, it's, and that, truthfully, our, ours are straight straight dead straight and so and that's yeah, not it, a negative toward either one it's just say, that th there's by definition i think it would be easier to I do don't that think it's with. conducive except for on that that older model i guess the older one would do it uh the older viper would do it but again the, the new right. viper spotter is is straight in line like the razor Correct. with the midline helical focus so yeah Last. i mean i i mean i jay here's what i would tell a guy if he's if he's not wanting to go, you know, the big eye route like you use, I mean, and not to bring up another maker, but, you know, he might look at the 664 Koas or something. I mean, I, those are the only other ones that I know that were because of the the shape of the binocular work really well. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't know if that helps, but he's trying to, I'm trying to stick to the vortex, but it's, it's not going to work. Last question here that we'll finish on, which we could go on for days and days and days about is which binos would you recommend to put on a tripod? Well, I would recommend any bino. Every single pair of binos that I have is, can go on a tripod. Absolutely. And becomes every, more effective every time you do it. And, and I don't glass. <clears throat> I glass more off a tripod than hand holding probably 90 to 10, maybe 95 yep. to 5. So my 10s, 12s, 15s, 18s, my big eye, whatever it is, they're all set up to glass off a tripod. And I think I'm sure you have an answer of the perfect tripod binocular. I think it, I think it goes to what are you hunting, what are you – but – sure. Um, for anyone else out there listening, make sure you have all your binos set up to work off of a tripod. So you can put your 8s, your 10s, your 12s, your 15s, your 18s, whatever it is, on a tripod. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that there's just those scenarios that, you know, whether you pull up or you've hiked up to a certain area and, you know, I mean, the last place I was at, I mean, I spent the first half hour just in my 8s. I mean, because there was so much good country right in front of me that was, you know, and it wasn't like I disturbed anything. So why not take a look around real quick with a wide field of view? And, you know, and and it was dark. I mean, you know, the sun, we were, I mean, it was at civil twilight. Right. It was, we were half hour, you know, early. 
So, yeah, I mean, I would tell you, Jay, of the people that come up to the booth, like at the shows or the people that send emails and say thanks or, um, and because I get to touch so many different people, like from the back, from back East or whatever, I would tell you that that is the one common thread of their, of their maybe thank you or whatever is like, holy cow, I never would have believed that a tripod made that big a difference. And they just go like crazy over it. Like, like I'm addicted to it because there was places that I would never see game and I go out and now I'm seeing game at twice the distance. And, and, and it, I think it's amazing for people to do that. And I think that's the, you know, I get all, you know, goofy about it, but it's, it, that's what I like to give. I mean, that's truly what I like for people to be able to do is call and go, I had the best day. They didn't even kill anything, right. but I had the best day in the field. I showed my grandkids and there, I mean, it was just like, you know, somebody, you know, literally open the blinds. And I just, I think that a, a try, just a simple tripod and mounting your binos. I don't care if it's eights, tens, twelves, fifteens, eighteens. I don't care. Put them on a tripod. It's amazing. It's really, it's fun. Guys, thanks for sitting down and doing this Q&A. Um, give you a chance. Uh, any final thoughts, concluding thoughts, anything you want to say out there to the listeners? Come see us at the shows. You know, I think some people come up sometimes and don't, I don't want to bother you. But come on over. That's what we're here there for. I don't have I much. Mean, just yeah, I mean, thank it, you to both of you. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's worth, phenomenal yeah. to be as tight of a partnership as we have going with Go Hunting and obviously with you, Jay. It's just hard to complain. Good. Well, I appreciate you guys um, sharing your info, uh, sharing your thoughts, and I encourage the listeners out there and the Instagram followers definitely come see us at the show uh, Western Hunting Expo here in a few days. Uh, I'll be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday walking around. So look us up and appreciate the support. Guys, thanks for being on. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it.